Welcome to the STEM Yard, a podcast of the North Carolina Science Olympiad. I'm your host, Alonzo Alexander, and today I'm chatting with Jane Carlisle, the new North Carolina Science Olympiad program coordinator. Jane, welcome to the STEM Yard. Why, thank you for having me. We are so excited to have a chance to sit down with you and let our audience know a little more about who you are and what you'll be doing with Science Olympiad in the coming months and hopefully years, right? So, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with Science Olympiad? Sure. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, uh, I am Jane Carlisle. Jane is from my great-grandmother. Uh, she loved to garden. Beautiful lady. And so spelled the old school way with the Y. <clears throat> um, I grew up in Gastonia and Ooh. very proud of that. All right. You have to tell folks where that is. Um, we are actually mentioned on SNL. One of the Ball brothers playing, I guess he plays basketball. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He's playing in Charlotte and they were saying, Charlotte, the gateway to Gastonia. No one laughed in the audience. And I was like, I was screaming. Um, our, came, our claim to fame is Limp Biscuit, which I'm also proud of. Shout out to everyone from Gastonia. There you go. We all know each other. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's a great place. What's the, what's the one place everyone should go in Gastonia if they only have one chance to visit? I would say Tony's Ice Cream. It's been there since like the 1930s. It has some of the best ice cream you can get and milkshakes. Shout out to Tony's. Shout out Franklin. Franklin Street. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your work with Science Olympiad. Um, so I, I'm going to back up a second. I started uh, teaching in Austin, Texas. Mm. I did uh, Texas Teaching Fellows, which is derived off of Teach for America. Mm. And I got accepted, so I moved to Austin, and I started teaching at Fluggerill High School. Fluggerill High School is where Friday Night Lights was filmed, mm-hmm. and so it's big old school, about two thousand two thousand kids there, yeah, massive. And I was teaching AP Chemistry, Honors Chemistry, and I was also in charge of the Chem Department, <laughs> so I was. There's a lot going on. And I had a physics teacher, uh, Jeremy Smith. He's an incredible human being. Um, one of the best physics teachers I've ever met in my life. He came to me and asked me to be an assistant coach with him for Science Olympiad. And I didn't really know what Science Olympiad was. And he was super into it. And he needed someone that understood the life science behind it. He understood, like, the bridge building, all of, like, the physics Events he understood, but he needs someone that could help him on the other side of the coin. And so I started doing that, and we uh, got to state, and we started competing and fell in love. With each other? We had three children. There that you go. I, I don't know where they're at, but yeah. I think he knows. That's right. He took care of them. I had things to do, people to see. Of course. Bills to pay. That's right. And those kids were not a part of it. No. All right. So for those listening at home, Jane uh, does not have three abandoned children, uh, but we do like to have fun here. Uh, <laughs> so, no, you fell in love with Science Olympia, I right? did. I've always loved science. Like, I've always gotten really excited and um, 
And so, yeah, I just love the excitement when students even just look in a microscope, especially high schooler, because they all try to act cool. And then you just like kind of break them down and be like, this is insane. Like even talking about just when you're teaching like DNA or molecules, like how do they react or how phosphorylation happens? Like this is insane. If you don't think this is crazy, come on. Yeah, um, I can't even say that word. Phosphorylation, is that Phosphorylation. Yeah, see, nope, mm. got it wrong. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's always uh, intrigued me and I always have gotten excited when it came to science. That's really cool. I, so I, I want to back up just a second to ask you. It really takes a special person to be a teacher, right? Yeah. And then to do Science Olympiad, that's that's like volunteering to do more teaching, right? So what is the thing that inspired you? What, what made you say, being a teacher, that's really the life path for me? Well, I didn't have kids. And <laughs> like I – it was one of those things where I was – I was passion. Like passion drives you. Like when you're passionate about teaching something, it will drive you to do many things. Like it fulfills you. And seeing the students get really excited and see the drive from them, it pushes you to do it as well. Yeah, it took a lot of time after school, but I was passionate and I still am. There's like that's why you teach. You you teach to like really see a spark in someone. And when you see that, it's just like, yes, this is why I do it. Like when someone's like, okay, they take, I mean, an idea, right? Like if someone can explain an idea, that's how change happens, right? right. And I think for teaching, it was for me, if students could go outside and not be on their phone, but see the relationship between plants or see the world, they'll protect it. And that was my goal. You can't protect something unless you have appreciation for it or unless you see it. And so that was my goal was to push them outside the box and to promote curiosity. And they challenged me. I think teaching makes you into a better human being. And yeah, it does. And so. Yeah. So then moving from being in the classroom to working with students in the Science Olympiad space. What, what are the differences there? Oh, there's just a bunch of nerds, right? We're all a bunch of nerds, but they were hardcore. Like, they wanted to win, and they had this camaraderie between them. Like, when you're talking about events, like, just we call it write it, do it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have this relationship with that other person. You have to be on the same page. And so... You're looking at something and you're writing down and describing everything you see so the other person can build it the way that it's supposed to be built. You've got to have a connection to that other person. You've got to know each other really well. I feel like with any type of those competitions like that, you're around each other and you have to know each other and you have to build like friendships. I do improv like in my free time. And we are taught to hang out with these people before you're on stage with them. Mm. The same thing with competition. Before, that's your stage. You need to hang out with these people that are in the group with you before you start on that stage. 
because you got to know what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are so you can play off each other so you can win. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like how you build a winning team. And we know you had a bunch of success, right? Yeah. I, we have for that success, I think a lot of even talking to new coaches is like, how do I get students to join? And for me, I had free food. So I would have, (laughs) I'm serious. I would have free food after school and I would get really excited about it. Yeah. I would show demos. We, we've we done a couple of demos for Division A to get like students excited about it, but showing demos of what the events look like and showing them you can win, and this is how it can further you. Like yeah. Gaining interest is going to take effort, yeah, like with anything else, but you got to be excited about it. And I think showing demos in itself of like, this is how it's going to be when you do towers and we're going to break them and we're going to see like, I bet you can't build something that can hold this. Can you show me? <laughs> right. Right. Or create this and then write a description about it. Like, could you, could you do that? Experimental design. Can you create an experiment? Like pushing their creative boundaries, um, getting them evolved, uh, have incentives like, yeah, I would have free food and I would just get really excited about it. And I made T-shirts. We made T-shirts. <laughs> no final exams if we place at states. Um, I can't say that. <laughs> we, I felt I didn't say that. <laughs> That's right. No one heard me say any of that. That's right. No, I did not say that. <laughs> um, and then once we got a lot of people involved, like friends would take other friends, you know? Yeah. I was teaching honors biology. I was teaching AP environmental and I was also teaching AP bio. I I feel like I've taught everything except AP physics. And I would be like, I'm coaching this team. Let's like, this will be good as a club. It'll look good on your applications for colleges. (laughs) Like, like this is going to be a cool thing. Try it out. Just give me a week. And if you don't like it after a week, you don't have to join. But give me a week. Just give me a week and I'll show you. Like, that's all I'm asking. Just give me a week. I would also call parents, too. (laughs) Okay. So you're just calling parents like, hey, I think your kid would be really good at this. Yes. Because I think Science Olympia needs to be accessible to all students, not just the best of the best, it should be accessible to everybody. So I would call students. I would call students that I think would benefit from it. Yeah. And I would tell their parents, this is a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity that can open many doors. And so I would. I call parents. That's awesome. Yep. Well, okay. So you're, you're coaching, but now you make this transition. So what has that been like for you? And what have been the things that have maybe surprised you as you've moved out of this role where you're supporting students uh, as a Science Olympiad coach to being full-time with North Carolina Science Olympiad? I think it's interesting because it's like when you watch a play, it's beautifully done, right? And then you don't see everything that goes behind that production, right? And if you've ever done theater, It takes hours and hours of prep. It takes so many hours. It takes so it takes communication, like communication at its finest. And 
asking for help when you need help. And when you go to a Science Olympiad event, my first time I went, I was like, holy moly, like, this is insane. People rushing everywhere. They're tripping over each other because they have no spatial awareness. Like, and they're trying to get to these events and they don't know where it is. And they're just rushing. It's chaos, right? right? And it's like, what is happening when you first show up? But then the events happen and then the award ceremony happens. And it's just excitement across the board, right? <laughs> and then going behind the scenes, like how much materials we have. What are all the details that needs to go into each event? What are the rules for the event? How have the rules changed from last year? What can I do to make it easier for these teachers? Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to do. What is the thing that has sort of surprised you the most seeing backstage? I don't think I knew kind of what I was expecting. Like, I didn't think I had this vision of what this was going to look like. But I think when I went into the back room and I just saw like bins and bins and bins, I was like, there's a lot of bins. This is it. And then there's all this stuff in the basement, like the spooky basement, the spooky basement, right? That we all know ghosts are there. I think I've hung out and talked to a couple of them. Like they're cool. They've had problems, but they're working through it down in the basement. Um, But it was kind of like. I was telling you, I was like, it has, we have everything. We have every subject you can think of. And we have a lot of the materials. Like, I was looking at electrophoresis and I was like, oh my gosh, sort of the biochem materials. I'm like, I could do this for hours. Um, but I think it shocked me how much material there was and how it was displayed. I yeah. Guess. I mean, it, it just makes me think, right? There's a lot of science that students can learn. And just think about all the different aspects of science we can leverage with Science Olympiad. Right. I mean, but that's the thing with a lot of stuff. I mean, there could be a lot of science out there, but is it accessible, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you make it accessible? How do you make it a way that a student can pick up and want to do it, right? How do you make it enticing? How do you make it easy to follow? And how do you make it just easier for everyone and accessible to everyone? And I think that's my goal as the coordinator in the coming up years is to make this accessible for any kid. Right. So so for coaches who are where you were and are thinking those same thoughts, how do I uh, make this more accessible? You've talked a little bit about this, but um, do you have any other ideas that you'd want to share? Like what are, what are things they can do to – uh, you know, really increase participation, to have success, right? And to make sure that they have a good experience with Science Olympiad. I mean, it's going to take work. Like, it's going to take time. And that's the thing about it. Like, if you want to make this accessible as a coach, you can. And a way is to reach out to parents, but also to reach out to your community because your community is there to help you. Like, for instance, with these like optic boxes that we're creating, like, Reach out to your local hardware store. Reach out to a neighbor that you know is a great carpenter. Reach yeah. out to people that can help you with these categories. 
especially other science teachers. Like I would reach out to other science teachers and be like, I know you specialize in fossils. I think fossils are boring. Like, (laughs) tell me, like, can you help me? Can you give me also your biology? You need to reach out to your chem department because your chem department is going to have a lot of these supplies that your biology department won't have or your physics department won't have. This, I think this competition based on how it's set up and based on how it run is you have to be connected to each other Mm. because it goes across all categories of science. So you've got to communicate with other departments and you've got to reach out to your community and you've got to form these bonds. And I guarantee you, you'll be a better person afterwards. Mm. Like you will, like you'll form relationships within your community. You wouldn't thought of if, You had to give students one piece of advice, right, for how they could have the most uh, fulfilling experience with Science Olympiad. What what is the thing you would tell them first, you know, from your your coach's perspective, but then now from the coordinator perspective, what might you share? I think this is important for coaches as well as students. You have got to have fun. Like, you got to be ridiculous. I feel like a lot of creativity and curiosity comes from being open-minded and being letting, you know, that flow that you have when creativity hits Yes. and giving yourself grace. You have to give yourself grace. Like you may not exceed at every event, but you may be good at really one of them. You got to do like, I remember with myself, like I wasn't necessarily the best at these certain subjects, but I was into them. And that didn't hold me back because I was like, well, I'm not the best at it. So that means I'm not going to do it. No, I was interested in it. Have fun. Um, I know as a high school teacher, when I was a high school teacher, they would be so stressed out about getting into college, about the SATs, about the ACTs, about these certain tests. You want this to be a way for them to have fun with each other, but also like build these skills that will help them in every other department. Um, Experimental design is going to help them on AP test. Write it, do it. It's going to help them with uh, critical thinking and inquiry skills. Like these will apply in every aspect of their day in their lives. And as they get older, you also have to learn collaboration skills, which is important in any workforce. So they've got to have fun and coaches have your, have fun. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kill it the first year. It's just like your first year teaching. That was the most miserable year of my life. And if they said my second year was gonna be the same way, I wouldn't have done it again. Like, and so give yourself grace, and you're gonna learn a lot. And you can always reach out to me if you ever have questions, or you're gonna have a panic attack. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk you down. I'll talk you down. I'll give you a come to Jesus talk, whatever you need. Like I get it because I've been there. Do you think coaches sometimes worry that um, they can't make mistakes in front of their students, their players? Yeah, but I think if you have that mentality as a teacher, like you can't relate to them. You can't build that rapport. I remember – I think teachers all experience this when you've done a lesson and it's gone horrible or you've taught something wrong. You got to own it. 
And if someone, a kid or a student asks the questions and you don't know the answer to it, you got to be honest about it. Because students have a hard time with failure. And if they see you fail and you pick yourself back up with confidence, that's going to show across the board. In improv, we call it a failure bow. In improv, nothing is wrong. And so sometimes you get caught up and you don't know what to say. You do a bow and everyone has to clap for you. (laughs) And one time I did this lesson. Oh, my gosh. It was on electron configuration. Chemistry teachers, you know, you know, P level, sub level, B level, F level. Man, Mm -hmm. I had balloons out. I was doing all this (laughs) and it was just they were getting frustrated. So. I told them to ball up the piece of paper and throw it in the trash, and they all had a clap for me, and they did. And it's like you got to be okay with failure, and coaches, they're going to see you fail, and that's okay. That's human. But they're also going to see how you pick yourself up after you fail, and I think that's the most important thing. It's not that you do fail, but it's how you handle that. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to share with the folks who are listening that we haven't already talked about? Um, I just appreciate you. I appreciate the volunteers. I appreciate the coaches. I appreciate the regional directors. Like, I haven't met all of you, but by God, I will, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to let you know, like, I see you and I really appreciate what you do and what opportunities you're giving these kids. that's huge and that's important. And yeah, that'll go down in history. All right. Listen to you being all nice and sweet. I know. Only everyone else. I can be spicy when I need to be spicy. That's right. That's right. All right, Spicy Jane Carlisle. Thanks so much for joining us today in the STEM Yard. Thanks for having me. The STEM Yard is a production of the Science House at North Carolina State University. Our show is produced by Valerie Bass, with assistance from the North Carolina Science Olympiad. We're supported by funding from the Backyard Foundation. I'm your host, Alonzo Alexander. Catch us again in the STEM Yard, where science is our playground.